Shame. 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 yourselves for this is our final talk of a new episode of the fifth season it's over but this is our last shred of hope our last connection to the fifth season in a follow-up to our highly successful in-person monday night or monday episode which was recorded moments after the finale and as soon as we could get home so you guys are home safe right yeah i'm still traveling (laughs) <laughs> okay. We did record directly after our live show this past Sunday night in Chicago night. Or Chicago. I had Chicago for, forgotten how to speak. <laughs> Thank you for listening to us. We did uh, have a great time out in Chicago last weekend. Of course, our live show, as mentioned, at Geek Bar. Mm. We really enjoyed the opportunity to do a live show, to watch the finale with probably about 100 other fans and just watching the reactions, you know, I, I try to shift from watching the projector to watching the reactions of people and, and what they thought about the different death scenes and the other impactful moments of season five finale. And I really still just can't get out of my head this Jon Snow thing. I know. Even though I read it years ago, it's yeah. one of those moments that just carries with you and it's still being talked about i know that we said on our on our episode earlier in the week that oh it was amazing for you to hold that secret for so long but like it's just sinking in the gravity of you having held that secret for so long (laughs) i still haven't thought of that yet i will me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we were all like yeah that was cool but but like wait think about it think about it that you Mm -hmm. actually have known all this time i've been coming to terms with that quite a few times over this Mm -hmm. past season micah and with that i think it's it's good just to say uh thank you to everyone who has joined us on this journey through season five i think i feel like we were sweet summer children and the way that we so innocently began this season i'm thinking of scenes with Tyrion and Varys in a carriage i'm thinking of drinking i'm thinking of whoa what will Arya do here in Braavos now that she's arrived? Look at this Titan. Isn't it great? Look at these beautiful sewer shots. This is a really cool place. And now we're after the fifth season. We're doing our our like final look. At least this isn't the owns of the season episode. You know? That's true. That would That's be true. more final than what we're dealing with right now. But we're still yes. coming down off of what was a really, really incredible evening in Chicago. We got to meet so many of you nice folks that made it out. And uh, some of you won some pretty great prizes. That's true. But uh, we're still left with the fact that we have uh, fewer characters to support now than we did going into the finale. (laughs) Oh, that's right. We cannot. You know what? We talked about this on the last episode. And and I'm in agreement. I I did feel for Stannis in that moment. uh, Well, have you watched it again? I I did. That particular scene, I, I have watched again. And just the uh he he has he had resigned himself to the fact that this was it mm, he, he kicked the ass hell. of the two bolton men and then in comes brienne 
And <laughs> you know, I'm not sure what that, that was, was all about. That was actually, <laughs> actually perfect. Was no. that Grandmeister Picel? Who was that? Oh my lord! Stan is dying. He's, he's just cutting a leg, kind of oh, down on the stuff. I've, I've heard a lot talked about this particular season and and how we really didn't get those big impactful moments until the last couple of episodes. You could go all the way back even to episode eight with Hard Home. And, and how that ended. And then obviously what happened with Shireen in episode nine and now episode 10, just Arya and, and Marin Trant and yeah. what happened to Selyse, what happened to Stannis, what happened mm-hmm. to Marcella, what happened at Winterfell. Miranda. And then of course the end of the episode, which, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of interviews. I've seen a lot of talk, uh, about this particular scene and about the future, the fate of Jon Snow and and of Kit Harrington and his return or he's gone on a, a sort of a world tour of telling misinformation to these 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 Well, uh, is it misinformation? And, and I'm sure it is. Benioff Weiss have kind of confirmed it. David Nutter in an interview talked about it. I'm trying to stay away. I, I my hope they cannot get in the, they cannot take my hope away from me. But I wanted to ask you about that because we did speculate so much on the last episode. I'm sure we'll do more here today sure. and in the future. But knowing what happened at the end, knowing the knowing George R. R. Martin and and how he writes, could it just be that Jon yeah. Snow is dead? That's what I was saying. Yes, but I don't want to. I don't want to feel like that. I know that those of you who have read the books know. And have lived with this fact for, you know, quite a while. But now that the rest of the world has gotten to see it dramatically portrayed on screen, uh, can we just? I don't know. Until until next season, until uh, you know, John is being burned if he is given that honor and not just right. left there among a wooden sign. Well, if he's not, it almost guarantees he's coming back in some capacity. There's so much here. There's, there's like, I think we mentioned this in the last episode. We could literally dedicate an entire episode to what ifs with Jon Snow. And I think that yeah. it's a tribute to the kind of character that George R. R. Martin wrote that we care this much because we've seen a lot of people pass on the show. And I don't think that we've met it with the same amount of just, well, no, we're not accepting it. It's like serious. We're no. Okay. Well, what are the other options? Right. We need to figure out. Okay. Well, since Melisandre's there. But then the show gives us the backbone of, well, look what happened to Melisandre. Did you see her shift when she learned your grace, the information given to Stannis about the men leaving, and then immediately the man coming and your grace offering her and Stannis the the news of another situation happening that demanded his attention? And what was it? A a walk directly to the wood where Solise was hanging. And by the time Stannis saw the body, she was already gone. And when she entered Castle Black... She didn't have the confidence of a red priestess. She didn't have the confidence of a red priestess when she found out that half the men had left. That could have been a mark of, well, maybe this didn't work and my last chance of thinking that he is Azora High or whatever uh, is, is failed. Or she was doing what she's done all along, possibly, and hoodwinking the situation. So we got a little bit of hope with Melisandre arriving, but the show did a really fantastic job of basically tearing her down before she even arrived. So where's the hope there? And it's almost like in showing John essentially bleeding out, although you could argue whether or not if he shut his eyes, if that would have been more definitive for his death. I mean, what does dead man ever die? We know this, but it's almost like you can believe that John Snow died more easily than you can even believe Stannis died. 
because the downstroke of Brienne's sword was not shown to go through him. You did not hear any kind of, you know, actually what you heard was the cutting of, well, Ramsey Bolton. Pulling his sword out, yeah. The man that he, you know, that it cut to. So it's almost like there there were a lot of cliffhangers. It's almost as if this season um, ended more on the uncertain than the certain. Uh, and that it just kind of is one of those nuances that makes this season more and more unique uh, from everything else that has come before it. Not, I mean, not the least of which are things like um, the prophecy scene at the beginning. You know, the season just was completely different. And I know we'll be doing a lot more looking back as like a whole uh, on our next episode. But for the finale, too, it just it kind of punctuated the, the difference that this season was between all the others and the way that it ended and the way that so many... Uh, that there are several plot lines that still have yet to be resolved and we're still learning. We're still in a position. Arya is still in a position to learn what exactly it is that she's doing there. And all the characters where Cersei is, is learning or about to, we're about to learn what her next steps will be in terms of whether she's going to continue to atone while kind of slowly trying to get back at the faith militant or What's going to happen there? There's just a number of things. Oh, that... she's going to get back at them. Are you crazy? Yeah. Well, she yeah, has. Yeah, yeah. Look you at know. who we're dealing with here. Yeah. Gregor Clegane now. <laughs> the undead version. Yeah, Franken Mountain. Franken, yeah. Franken Mountain. We did get a question over on Facebook from Bobby Kennedy Barron, who uh, ties into what we're talking about here. He wanted to know uh, how about all the different resurrection theories for Jon Snow, followed by all the possible horrible ways Ollie can die. <laughs> slowly <laughs> well uh, regarding the ollie death situation um i thought into myself self are you being a little bit cruel to ollie think about what he's gone through and think about what it meant to him what john did and then i rewatched it and i saw his very excited face when he was telling john the lie about Benjen, and then i saw just that scene again. You should burn. And I have <laughs> no sympathy for Ollie. Fire is painful about the definition of painful, but uh, maybe too quick in this case. Give him to Ramsey. Flay him slowly. <laughs> I hope that Ramsey's one of the early season deaths that we get next season, like uh, like Joffrey was for season four. Like, you know, just episode two, he's gone, no longer in the picture. And it really just kind of frees you up to appreciate the world and all the nice things that are in it. Does it bother you, though, that uh, none of the Boltons were killed? It really does. Yeah. And, and, and talking about the finale, I know we um, briefly mentioned the Boltons last time, but but just the fact that they, there was not open combat um, that, that involved uh, the Boltons specifically being shown. Now, Stannis did survive that huge i i guess you could call it an outnumbering because he he was available to kind of you know limp around the forest afterwards for Bran to meet him but uh regardless that that in, that entire battlefield those those men on horses meeting each other it's actually quite and when i was rewatching this i realized it's actually really badass for stannis to survive that um we Definitely. assume ramsay was out in that um and we you know there was just no none of that showing but i i did hope in my hope of hope or hope against hope, hope heart of hopes, whatever you yes. say that. I hoped in my heart that uh, one of the Boltons would get it, just because it is the finale, and this was a very Bolton-centric, seemed to be a very Bolton-centric mm -hmm. season. It would have been awesome to see an actual battle between Stannis and Roos. And Ramsay would have been cheering in Stannis's corner so that he could have the rightful heir to Winterfell. <laughs> he would just sneak yeah, in afterward. So. 
stabs Stannis. He didn't really denounce his god. Rewatching the scene between him and Brienne, Stannis's death or presumed death, you know, he she asks him or she she accuses him of blood magic and doing the shadow with his face on it, and and he just says, "I did." Yeah, he could have said. You know, I've since come to renounce that magic. I really feel like it never got me anything except a dead family. Those I love closest, you know, really could have appealed to her heart. Um, but he's not that kind of dude. And uh, I don't know. I just think maybe something he did said did move her to not killing him. Well, he didn't say much. So I would be yeah. surprised if that happened. I'm in agreement there. I think that Stannis is dead and that he won't reappear Though I will say this, uh, they better clean up that field because winter, <laughs> winter is coming. Winterfell is pure as white. Did winter you snow. see all of those bodies? Yeah, man. Yes, and we Visceral. know what's out there. We spoke about that. Is so true. Oh my gosh, that is such a cool point, and it's so exciting. We we spoke about how on the last episode about how great the the sense of space and the direct direction was right. uh, technically for this scene where Stannis's men were coming and the hammer was falling. Gosh, I, I feel like it's worth an, another mention, and I realize that our minds are all, all are all over the place right now. Um, we've had a great time with the show. The season's ending. This is a very exciting time for us. And uh, Joe, we will get back to your question. I just realized that we completely <laughs> had a soliloquy about Ollie not feeling sorry for him, and then we completely left that. So we will come back to that. Uh, but I, I do just want to say, uh, for those of you listening, it was... Upon uh, a couple of rewatches now, not on a projector screen, mixed in with a bunch of podcast listeners and new friends and uh, replica swords and helms, for that matter. It was so good. I feel this finale captured, like you said, Eric, punctuated this season so properly, whereas the children was epic in so many different ways. I'm thinking specifically of the score when they reached the Great Werewood yeah. Tree when Stannis's men were riding into Mance's camp, there was a lot of really epic sensational moments in that finale, which I feel mirrored a lot of that season, which was fantastic. But we've gotten this sort of brave, we've, and we've spoken about it amongst ourselves, we've spoken about it uh, on Patreon things, and we've also mentioned it on the show, that this season was it, was, it was brave the way it was captured, the way it was sort of uh, apart from the successful things that Game of Thrones has used in the past to gain uh, chatter and publicity. There wasn't a lot of that, comparatively speaking, and I think that it's proper in the way that the story should head great. But I'm thinking specifically of this battle, the choice not to show it, <clears throat> the choice to sort of not give us an epic battle sequence when we could have clearly, guys, had an epic battle sequence in this finale. Am I right? I mean, yeah. we had a I mean, war one that involved Roos and Ramsey, and and it was. A, I mean, it could have been a war outside of Winterfell. That is just think of think of a better set piece from the first season, from the first episode, and we're outside mm-hmm. of it fighting, and Sansa's overlooking it, and Podrick's there, and Brienne's there. There was a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of really interesting chances, and those weren't taken. It was it was Stannis walking nobly into the face of what were probably the other half of his men. <laughs> that took off, probably joined with Ramsey's side and uh, mounted up. All the horses were gone. They had no horses. All those people had horses. That's something to think about when Ramsey came in and burned some of the camp. There's probably a reason why, A, it was so easy for him to burn it, and B, they had so many men ready. Yeah. But anyway, so he's marching nobly into this fight, and the feeling that we're getting is very muted, like I said, compared to what we could have expected. 
and we didn't even get to see the fight. We moved to Stannis being in a broken down wooded area, barely living, you know, using a dagger at close combat to <laughs> to make it through his quarry. It's so perfect. And then yeah. we don't even get to see the finish on Stannis. Think about it. It was like Micah said, maybe if they don't clean up those bodies off the field, we'll have a, an entirely different battle on the field next in season in episode one. It's very possible. Uh, it, it was very listening to Zach talk. It was it was very reminiscent to me of season one where Tyrion goes out to fight. He gets knocked in the head and then he wakes up and the battle's over. Right. This is what you do when you've spent all your budget shooting. <laughs> but I don't um, think that that's why they did it. I think exactly. it was to give us like this season has been. So much of the character building, so much of the humanity and the words and the feelings, less success of Hard Home, less success of Watchers on the Wall, less success of Blackwater, things that we know that they could definitely do. We're feeling the passion from these characters, and I certainly felt it. It was a big moment seeing those people marching outside of Winterfell, especially on a rewatch alone. And I'm just thinking to myself, this is Sansa looking out. I mean, this is quite possibly one of the coolest things that has ever happened on the show. If you're into sort of just the the heartstrings of it all, thinking of where it began with John and Bran having target practice a handful of yards away from where she was watching Stannis Baratheon's army fight the Boltons yeah. of the North. Men converging on the battle. Exactly. I mean, huge. When I think about it, you know, it almost gives you goosebumps. It's just like that was epic. There were men literally upon the first charge already diffusing into the forest, running away. I mean, this was a fool's errand. Yeah, that was awesome. And there is Stannis pulling out his sword and walking directly into the fray and making it out, only to be uh, found by Brienne, who threw down an excellent speech. I don't know. I know we're talking about things that we've already spoken about, but this finale still, all of these days later, is very fresh to us. And I think that there's just there's so much really great stuff and the choice of using cliffhangers was so interesting because we're we're really going to be primed up for next it's season. It's going to be a blast, right? Yeah. Did it's we not Arya sailing on a boat. Uh, well, we answered part of it as far yeah. as how we'd like to see Ali snuff it next season. Ramsey's dogs. <laughs> oh, as, well, as that, that could be another one. Theory. <laughs> resurrection theories. I, I, we've touched on them a little bit on, in yeah, the past. Yeah, yeah. And like, like I'll take any earlier. one of them that has uh, a great degree of likelihood next to them i think the question comes back to how proficient is melisandre thoris amir at least he has a proven track record in reviving beric dondarian but melisandre seems to be a bit of a fraud well look at look at what beric was yeah. when when he or sorry thoris look at where thoris was when he first did it i mean he was he himself thought he was a fraud he had never seen anything. This is this this dialogue from his own lips. He had never seen anything or heard anything that made him feel like he was worth a damn as a red priest. And and then he did. Then his prayer over uh, Beric's lifeless corpse uh, caused the resurrection to happen. And suddenly, oh look, he's a red priest. So I I, I think that perhaps it adds to that theory that um, we've heard Thoros himself speak about how much of a I guess, fraud that, that he himself was um, prior to being able to perform these resurrections. And it makes us feel better for Melisandre, who is riding to the wall disgraced, or at least that's the way it seems. Perhaps she's riding to the wall because she knows that she got it wrong about Stannis being Azora High, and maybe the one she's looking for is, in fact, right there, meaning John, of course. I mean, that that's another thing, is that if she 
we noticed in the last finale that she was looking at him pretty intently, and she asked him in the beginning of this season, you know, are you a virgin? And mm. uh, all of those pressing questions, and I really feel like <clears throat> she she came on to him later in his in his office, like she really I think has a pretty good idea um, that he is some form of Kingsblood or magic, or is it, that there's something about Jon Snow. Uh, this is where it hurts, Eric, because what you're saying obviously is what we think and what people that have read the books have been thinking for yeah, years. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I'm basically stating other. I mean, things that other people smarter than I have come up with too. <laughs> the difference here is we've now reached the point where there is no more information. So I'm, I'm disgruntled. <laughs> to put, to put we've reached lightly. the point where welcome to my most. world <laughs> i mean it's, it's the same cliffhanger uh, these books ended on the book and the show ended on the same i, I way, think right there's a couple different ways to look at this the resurrection piece is one the other is that john can warg into ghost we know that this is something that he does in the books we know that ghost is still alive we have no reason to think otherwise right and warging is something that is extremely prevalent north in the north right we've seen the starks do it we've seen some of the wildlings be able to do it and so i would be interested to see how john would learn to survive in a completely different body now how he would be eventually brought back is a whole nother discussion i don't know is it melisandre we talked about him possibly being burned and if he survives that well he got burned in the first season and it actually hurt him. So I don't know that the fire would be able to, you know, cleanse him and, and rebirth him without mm-hmm. some other sacrifice taking place. Uh, it's, it's just, uh, there's a Maybe lot to think on. Maybe you can sacrifice Ollie so to save to John. That's, that's my theory. If I'm you sacrifice Ollie, it wouldn't save a single lock of John's only de- Only death can pay for life. <laughs> Maybe they can tie Ollie up and have John be brought back. Oh, I mean, Thorn, the reason you Ollie hurt did me. the killing blow, right? You let me down. I, I didn't like you. You reminded me of a person that... You reminded me of Severus Snape uh, in the very beginning. And then you, you did all that you did. And I don't even need to repeat it because we all know. And then you did this, and it, it that hurt more than Ollie because whatever. But that that was. I the mean, worst. come on! If if I it was hurt. Davos, I'd run like hell from the wall because between Egret and now John, like Ollie's racking him up. He's becoming the most notorious killer in the Seven Kingdoms. With, with the battle at Winterfell, and I know we talked about the the field. Um, I, I made the joke about the budget and like dragons and stuff, but we did have a a lot of really cool. What I think are probably my whole my favorite dragon moments from the the season for sure um we're with danny and a stationary drogon just laying on a hill you like the puppy dog dragon finale. i love the puppy dog drogon i love it it reminded me of my dog yeah <laughs> the way he, i was just like he wasn't listening and he'd obviously eaten too much unless they <laughs> you know landed in that specific spot he was right. licking his wounds which i've never he had a seen stomach before. ache <laughs> it was just it was fun it was like very how to train your dragon esque yeah. and uh, Danny you know she's trying to have a conversation with Jurgon. he's not that great in English yet or the common tongue so it wasn't that much <laughs> of a back true. and forth that, that conversation could have been in Valyrian I was just glad that we didn't leave Daenerys in the ninth episode yeah. although looking back the way that she left in the ninth episode would have been a pretty amazing way 
to finish her with this season. But obviously, after she became disgruntled enough with Drogon at a point, she went out to forage for food. And we were left with her epic ending, which is, I guess, sort of like a whirlpool of Dothraki, if you could call it that. Just a continuous current of hoofbeats. Yeah, I, I like that. A current of, yeah, noting, 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 uh, thinking about the several notable uh, sea references, like the Dothraki Sea and the water references to, I like the whirl, whirlpool yeah, of uh, Dothraki thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel kind of comfortable in a way for Danny because it's like, oh, these are her people. But I think it's extremely important to recognize that these are not her people. The Dothraki are tribal people, and this is not her tribe. Um, so far as I know, unless unless her raider came back from the Red Waste and started a, a tribe of his own, and this is them that she's meeting, uh, there's no guarantee for safety uh, in in Danny's case. And I again, it's about the cliffhangers that we talked about. This this season really ended a lot of these characters in a an uncertain kind of way, and Danny's no exception. Oh yeah, I mean surrounded by these these this tribe. What a way to end it for her. Yeah, it's just like she's like the last person you would expect to be in trouble right now because she just escaped all the terrible trouble of last week's episode by flying fly. away on a dragon. Flies out of trouble into more trouble. Yeah, it's just one fucking thing after. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I don't know though. I, the question as to whether or not she's safe. There is a level of comfort in the fact that she is back with a Kalasar or multiple Kalasars. Uh, who's leading it? We don't really know. We never get that introduction. But there was that great shot coming over the hill yeah. from the back of whichever Kal that was. And we were probably meant for a second to think that it was Kal Drogo. So it was kind of a little cool throwback to season one and part of what sticked out in my mind when I was watching this part of the episode was remember in the books when she has these meetings with Quaith every once in a while and there's one where she's told to go north you must go south to reach the west you must go east and she's kind of gone east a little bit already but then to go forward you <laughs> must go back and so oh, I wonder you oh. bastard you're blowing my mind right now bastards don't fare very well and uh <laughs> Unless these, you're Ramsey, shows. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're Ramsey, I <laughs> and John Snow until uh, or Micah a couple days ago. If, if you want a character that didn't have an ambiguous ending this season, it was Ramsey. <laughs> like, if you want a character skipping around, slaying people, and with a grin, and then saying, "Let's go uh, spend time with my wife." I bet she was lonely. Yeah, that's yeah. But anyway, sorry, Micah. Uh, that was huge. To go forward, you must go back. Yeah, so to me, this is part of her going back, right? This is her, this is what we've known her history to be, at least in as much as the books have told us. She's always been in Khaleesi. the East. She's never been in the West. And she's always spent, she spent a majority of her time like a true with these people. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly helps that she can speak the language, I think. And if there's ever a need for negotiation or trying to save your own skin, I, I think for me, the big thing is that her group has, have split up uh, and half of them are looking for her. But people we care about, Tyrion, are actually still trying to stay behind and rule in Marine. Like, if if her character path has... Or or does force her to abandon sort of her at least attention in, in, on you know from Marine to deal with whatever this present threat is. Um, 
you know, not everybody got that memo. And I don't know, I'm sure nobody does at this point, what will become of Marine. Will it descend just into slavery like it did before her, her rule? Or will she actually, will her or one of her, um, you know, sort of council members, Tyrion in her stead, continue to rule in a way that when she does go west, presumably with all of them, that the city is better off? This is where it gets interesting. I believe that the scene between Grey Worm, Masande, Tyrion, Dario, and Jorah was this calm, wonderful, first off, wonderful conversation that we couldn't have expected to happen yeah, in this way. Really good conversation. It's it's basically everyone without the necessity to speak so properly and grandly because Daenerys isn't there. So it's sort of all of them in a, a state of, of relaxation and they're just fresh off of seeing Danny fly off from Daznak's pit. And that means a lot to her or to them because uh, the, to the ones who didn't quite believe they now do and the ones that believed before believe so much more. And we're seeing, let's just focus on Tyrion for a moment because for a lot of people, he's the standout favorite. Eric, you asked what will happen to Marine now. I believe that with the entrance of Varys and with the excellent setup of the guard from Dario and that conversation is sort of, they were segmenting who would get what task in which I believe that we're going to get an exercise in Tyrion's leadership yet again, the way that we saw it in a clash of Kings. I think that he's going to be that man inside of Marine. So at least for the next season and um, for probably a, a large chunk of the next book, I believe that we're going to see Tyrion and this great role of leadership figuring out how to become a better version of himself while ruling in Danny's stead with yeah. his new friends. It's going to be so cool if that's the case. I, mm -hmm. I, I really love uh, going back to them deciding on what to do. It was extremely, if not the most, then certainly it's up there, like democratic conversation. That ever, yeah. that ever happened. It's there. They each of them sort of assesses their own value, or you know, and some of them disagree at first. But it's just like, hey, this is why you should be here. And you know, have you ever fought when when Tyrion wants to go along the search for for Danny? Mm -hmm. Um, and Dario asks him very skeptically, you know, are why you would a great we take you? Yeah, we don't know about. Um, and it just it, Tyrion is exactly where he needs to be in terms of a, he's in a position where he can thrive. He did this before with King's Landing. And, and I think Marine as terrified as I am of Marine, um, as a viewer from having seen this, re, you know, resurgence of the sons of the harpy people, I thought not, maybe not were gone, but at least would deal, would at least swallow a, a hard, um, would have swallowed the, the, the notion that Danny reopened the fighting pits and, and not given her any more trouble. The fact that they're still very much alive and well have organized this, this tremendous attempt on her life, that this city terrifies me, but you have Tyrion and you have Varys. And these guys both did it at King's Landing. And it's just like, compared to King's Landing, even Marine, which scares me, um, is, is nothing. Like these guys, they got it. They can they can handle it. And just the talk between Tyrion and Varys in this episode about, oh, if only I knew somebody who had a network of spies. Like it, it's it's yeah. perfect at setting up exactly what you need to to grab yeah. hold of the situation because we've seen how Danny did it with sort of a military presence. You know, just the foot soldiers, just the fact that the Unsullied were at every entrance. That's not quite. It wasn't successful. 
in infiltrating the problems that are going in and solving the problems that are going on a Marine. So why not let Varys try? Why not let Tyrion try? So is this the part where I tell you that this is not like the books and <laughs> shattered dreams, hopes, and visions of the future? You bastard. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased that at least the show seems to be going in this way. So I do they- like this. No, I, I will say I, I thought yeah. that putting Tyrion in a position of power – I think that it's probably what Daenerys would want, knowing that she basically named him her advisor. So it, was, it, was it a should lot of be love. him that yeah. takes over in her stead. I don't know that she's going to come back. There's no reason to believe that at this point. And well, she having, needs to pick up her Unsullied, right? <laughs> well, and her two dragons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. She's uh, so maybe she home. does need to uh, take her Kalisar. Uh, should she be able to rally them to her cause? And uh, lay siege to Marine yet again and take out all the sons of the Harpy. But Tyrion is not yet even inside of the walls of Marine uh, in the books. And right. he's with Jorah. And mm. so he has yet to meet Daenerys. Him meeting Daenerys in this season was, Happened was, first. was a huge thing for book readers to see. And it worked very well in the show. I think that it really set things up. Uh, for us to get a great ending with a reunion with Varys, but Varys uh, is involved in a completely separate storyline, uh, and they all tie together at the end of the day. However, you know he's not even in Marine, so I, I do like the changes. I think that they serve the purpose of the show, and we know to treat the show and the books as two different entities, but. I like the idea of being able to see Tyrion rule again because he was such a great leader oh yeah in king's landing he oh, knew yeah. the right buttons to push he was working with varus he was he was just very good at reading people and knowing how to play the game and i think that now we get a chance to see him do this again those were also such fun chapters they they really were actually while reading clash of they kings they really were you know preparation for blackwater the prospect of danny visiting after tyrion has done a decent job with what she really wasn't able to do a decent job with, I think would be a great way to sort of show it's as, as if he got hired for a job, the boss left on vacation for a long time and then came back and was like, wow, you did a really great job. Well, I have another responsibility for you. Uh, we'll see how that happens. But we know that Danny has much to do with her life and we can only hope that what has happened at the end of this episode uh, isn't her end obviously as uh, a story that seems to be centered around her in some degree we can assume that she's going to be safe so whether or not they will be friendly whether or not she will go into captivity and something else will happen because of that we can't be sure we also can't be sure why drogon did not hear them approaching lots of things that we can't be sure about but she is someone that we can assume will be some kind of rallying point for the great war to come. You know, and, and again, I just thought of another cliffhanger, but Jorah's grayscale. He still has not told anybody about it. How quickly is it advancing? Will it get him in trouble when he's on the road with Dario? These are questions. <laughs> These are questions that currently have no answer. These are going to be interesting traveling companions, not quite like Tyrion and Bronn or the two Jamie heroes. and Bronn. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised that Dario was so willing to let Jorah travel with him and even spoke up for him uh, at times during their meeting uh, inside the pyramid there where Tyrion was basically trying to get rid of Jorah and Dario 
uh, was uh, actually supporting him. So I wonder what that's going to be like, how they're going to try and track Danny down with, uh, I don't know, they have like a dragon tracker. How, yeah, how do you track a dragon? Well, well hey, they'll what figure if, it out. All right. What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? Yes. Episode one of season six is them opening up the um, <laughs> cellar, getting getting the dragons and like giving them a, a sniff of, no, they don't even need that. Just say, let's find your brother. And they each climb on the dragons and fly away after well, they would have that would to be pretty cool. Also, show them turning around because they had already they left Marine at the time of the, this episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Well, it's possible. Like you know, we forgot. Ah, I forgot this. my this phone. Is, Shit. There's an easier way to do this. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to see. Uh, obviously, that goes without saying. Uh, I can't wait to see what ends up happening with those guys and with Marine. And I thought it was a really interesting way to to end this. It's probably the most pleased I've been with a Daenerys finale, to be honest, and. I'm not sure. Yeah. If, well, apart from the first season, because that was insane. Oh, yeah. Nobody could. I mean, yeah. as a show watcher first and, you know, you weren't expecting her to emerge from that pyre with three dragons. And I think a lot of people might agree because we had the way that she exited the second season with her friends, the Dothraki and her Kalasar inside of Karth. And then we had the Great White Hope and Misa in the third season. Misa. And in the fourth season, she chained her dragons up. So this yeah. was certainly on a good track, I think. On a great track. She's She's got... I, I know we say how satisfying the slow burn will be because we know like she's just like an end, end, sort of end game player with her dragons. But you're right. Her storyline, if you're looking back over the seasons, like it is getting better. <laughs> she's got a long way to go with those dragons, as clearly demonstrated by Drogon. Uh, in this, which is cool because she didn't just hop on the back of her dragon. Of course, we wouldn't have expected that from such sharp storytelling, but she didn't just jump right. onto the back of her dragon and all of a sudden know how to be a Targaryen, like warrior princess, warrior queen. Yeah. It's going to be Zena. a process. Oh. I, I do want to know who this <laughs> I want to uh, know who that Cal is, the call, whoever this call is. Can't wait to meet that call. I know that we've uh, talked about the reappearance of Varys and that was certainly a, a great surprise to all of us. And it was a crowd pleasing moment in the Hello, bar friend. for the, it, uh, for the was. season finale. But, uh, one character that we didn't see at all was Peter Bellish. <sighs> Matt, uh, Kirchmeier had a question, uh, for us. He wanted to know what we thought about the lack of Littlefinger towards the end of the season, where Sansa and Theon are going to escape to. Brand's role and do Rickon and Osha matter anymore? That's a loaded question, by the That's way. A lot of questions very there, loaded. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. The lack of Littlefinger. How did I feel about that? Um, terrible. I wanted to know what he was thinking. That was a really bad Littlefinger impression. Shrug. Yeah. It's a free show. For me. <laughs> <laughs> For me, I think Littlefinger, if he is somehow still in King's Landing, then he's keeping his head low. And I think that's the smartest thing he could be doing right now. I mean, the Faith Militant have complete control. Or we're, we're meant to believe that they are have really close to complete control of, of everything. And, and being a brothel owner alone, if speaking out, if telling a lie in front of the, you know, the ears of the gods is enough of a crime to get you thrown in jail, then I too would be keeping my head down uh, for being Peter Baelish. If he is still in King's Landing and in a position to potentially still continue to ally himself with the crown and have Cersei 
still trust him or perhaps now more than ever because she's so desperate. I, I think maybe he's just holding out for that if he's if he is in fact still there. And if not, if he's moved on, then he could, as far as I'm concerned, he could certainly give Sansa a little bit of help escaping. Well, we certainly know that he's interested in picking up the pieces in the North after his conversation earlier in the season and his visit to King's Landing with Cersei. I predict that he will rally the men of the Vale, whatever soldiers he has at his command, and wipe up the floor with the Bolton situation in Winterfell. And maybe, Eric, you'll get that that pleasurable beginning to the sixth season you've always looked for, which is uh, Ramsay going away and uh, possibly yeah, Bruce going away as well. I think that his absence from the show does nothing but build up more to what he'll possibly do. And clearly he didn't have any use in the past few episodes, just like Brandon yeah. Hodor didn't really have any use in this past season. And mm -hmm. as someone who is reading along with you, the listeners, I can't confidently answer the question if it was a decision that is associated with how long he's or how far the story is in his uh, particular arc in the books, or whether or not you know some of it wanted to be saved, or it all really depends on what the overall arc for the sixth season will be. So really so much is in the air uh, with this. Regarding Rickon and Asha, they're not just going to disappear. Uh, otherwise, I don't think they would have ever been included in the show. Obviously, that, that wouldn't really make sense uh, regarding the way that the story was written. But yeah, I get you. you know what I mean? Rickon is really Ollie. Well, both of them. Oh, oh, shut up. Both of blown. them have. Both Thanks. of them have been outed as all as being alive. Bran and Rickon. You know, at the end's like, exactly. oh, I didn't, I didn't kill them at all. And and so I, I, I felt that, uh, throughout this season, when I mean, when Sansa finds out that they're both alive, she finds out that they're both alive. Like I think they have an equal play. I, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. I would hope that, um, according to the show, they've they were going to go look for the Umbers. You know, I would hope that those are just worthwhile, not piece of shit bannermen of the Starks who are keeping them safe. Well, we can only hope that they've met up with the Reeds. Rickon is years older now, mm. and he's going to be a different sort of character uh, if he eventually reaches there. Yeah, the way that he cracked those nuts back, back way back when, You're he's right. got a ferocious Firm grip. sort of, yeah. <laughs> I agree with a lot of what Zach just said about Littlefinger, though. I think that... Uh, He's going to position himself to do whatever is best for him because that's always what he's done. And whether or not he's going to meet up with Sansa and Theon remains to be seen. I mean, I think there's probably a better likelihood given that they jumped from the top of Winterfell. <laughs> to the battlements. <laughs> and, okay, let's just say in the books there's a lot more snow uh, and, and the I hope fall so. is a little bit more padded <laughs> than what they showed. Uh, in this episode, but we haven't talked about this yet, did, have we? Or did we talk about it on Monday's we episode? We just saw Miranda fall to her death. Let's go recreate that yeah, exact that is so height true. difference. Let's let's go do that. Let's <laughs> wait. No, no. It's actually <laughs> probably a bit longer of a, of a drop than what Miranda suffered. Definitely, right, they have to the clear the, the side of it. You know what I mean? You can't. Okay, so for all the repel, they should have repelled. This is our conversation about what was uh, an insanely 
epic. And yes, I'm going to use that adverb. It was an insanely epic exit of Winterfell, quite possibly the coolest we've ever seen and maybe we'll ever see in the show. Who knows? Knock on wood. I think it rivals the coolness of Queen Alysanne flying her beautiful dragon to the gift, seeing Theon Greyjoy and Sansa Stark standing on the side of the battlements just after Ramsay's arrived. And okay, like Eric said, this is immediately following Miranda's swift fall in which her face broke her fall. They literally just turn around on the spot and they look over. If you remember, rewatch it if you don't, that ominous look over the edge. And then they jumped enough to clear the side of the wall and to continue falling. Like, oh my. It was very Aladdin style, too, the way Theon reached for her. It was almost like saying, do you trust me? Almost. Well, they didn't have a choice, right? Because Ramsay was returning at that very moment, coincidentally. Uh, they had to jump. That was their only way to get away, especially knowing what had just been done to Miranda should Ramsay find her, and I'm sure he will at some point. Well, that's, yeah, that's exactly it. He's about to become three times more terrifying. But it, but as far as what can potentially happen now, I would think that Sansa, knowing that John has been made Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, would probably look to go to the Wall. That would be the next logical step, or perhaps they meet up with Brienne and Podrick. Yeah. Uh, at some point, they are in the area. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I I just you know this whole Winterfell situation, and I'm sure we can get into this more on our our season wrap up episode. I know that Matt also asked about Bran and Rickon and Osha, but I I don't, if I'm the Boltons, I'm not feeling too comfortable in this position because eventually the North is going. If the word spreads that Bran and Rickon are alive somehow, some way. The Boltons are in a lot of trouble, and we know what they did. We know what they did to Rob, and I just hope, to your point, Eric, that maybe not the first episode of season six, but at some point in season six, the Boltons get their due because they're just uh, a shit family. Are they? It's just a <laughs> – tell us how you really feel. <laughs> and Dorne sucked. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how about that leap from the wall, though? Quite the leap of faith. Right. It made a lot of people's owns. So me giving my own to Theon Greyjoy on uh, the last episode, it sits well with me knowing that I have so many fellow listeners who were in agreement. It, it also sits well with me for no <laughs> It sits well with me because it sits well with you and Eric. There you go. It's just sitting well with everyone. Well, I'm still hoping that Sandor Clegane returns. Ooh. Just saying that. In yeah. case anyone's listening and wants a little bit of excitement in their really, life. Yeah, like in terms of an Sandor ambiguous Clegane. death. Where exactly would you want Sandor Clegane to reappear? Would it be in Bravos so that he can team up with Arya yet again? She'd have to smell him is the only thing. She couldn't see him approaching. Oh, too soon. Right? Can we agree that's what's happened, Eric? What, that she's become... Blind. Blind. Yeah. Um... I mean that was that much was in the show. I I think I said before like I I imagine it to be a reversible form of blindness, but as just a considering the events which still weigh quite heavily, I rewatched them um just before we sat down to record, you know, her, her killing of Marin Trent uh in in quite a vicious way, almost unforgivingly vicious way. I Psychotic. think maybe the hound would be a nice dose of <laughs> I don't want to say like something less intense but uh she 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 really went all in uh both feet in the water for for this her her kill and i just can't 
I keep going through the dialogue in my head about how she says to Marin that he's the first man who ever made her list. The Hound was on her list, but by the end, she opted not to kill him. No such luck for Marin Trant. I wanted to ask a question, though, about Marin Trant. This actually came up in conversation recently. One of your casual conversations. One about of my Marin casual Trent. conversations. Actually, is a last night dinner conversation <laughs> uh, with some friends of all of ours. But do you think they spent a little bit too much time on somebody like Marin Trant? Yeah, you know, d- developing him, showing his sick perversions, and well, do you mean recently, or do you mean throughout the whole run? I mean recently, because I don't necessarily know that they couldn't have used the time in other places. But I'm just curious what you guys think about that. That's a good question. There definitely is a lack of time to explore many, many different things properly. But it did give us a, a pretty big epic because Arya has killed before so that wasn't necessarily the this wasn't like a coming of age type right thing yeah the way that she did it was different than it has ever been done though and the enthusiasm was I mean it was very raw to see so I think that that definitely could have carried the scene on its own but knowing that he's been around for so long knowing how far he's traveled and again seeing the kind of person that he was until the very end I think did a lot for the release of his character, you know, the cathartic release of the death. So it's tough to say, like, what gets screen precedence over the other. I think that it was cool that someone so insignificant in the grand picture was able to get proper screen time and proper development. It sort of feels like a book in that regard where, Mm. you know, we know so much about other characters that aren't the main people. If anything, it's, it's, like I said, more like book storytelling in a TV show than we've really ever seen before. So I, I, th- I think it's good. Obviously, not every character can get that sort of treatment. We don't even have strong Bellass, But at least there's something there for the minor characters in the show. So I think it's probably a good thing. I mean, I, I look at what was shown about Marin and, and really just point towards Arya. Like, this was, this was Arya's story, her you know resourcefulness or her ability to... Well, she decided to break the rules and and take a face, and that was going to be her in. You know, it's just like I don't I don't regret um having seen that in episode nine, uh of his. I said I guess I called it a convenient uh, perversion, something like that, where it was introduced. You know, so late that he's going to actually be here and he'll be back tomorrow, and it gives Arya her in. But really, just again thinking about how violently he died, that scene was entirely all about Arya. Um, and how she may be losing it. Um, I think it was over the top. I think it, not that Jackin was in any way there to see it, but some, you know they knew somehow that she'd killed him. I think that she needs to learn to be a little bit more dispassionate, uh, that perhaps it was wrong to do <laughs> what she did. Well, I, obviously it was wrong. In the way that wrong. she did, it's always wrong to kill, but you know... But I what I love is, is that we've seen her evolution from oh, yeah. killing a stable boy in the first season so that she could escape King's Landing to... Right, and that was more of like a shock, like a jump, like she tripped and killed him, you know, kind of thing. Right, versus- but now here we are in the fifth season, in the finale, and she's killing a member of the Kingsguard. Yeah, murder in the third With her period. bare fucking hands, and... Yeah. She is going to be a really interesting character to watch yeah. develop. I know that she's temporarily blind, let's say, uh, because I think it is part of her training. I think that she's going to learn to do different things without her sight, and her right. ability to sense things around her is only going to yeah. enhance 
her her skill set. Yeah. So uh, I am really worried for every person that is on her list because <laughs> if Marin Trant is the precursor, everyone yeah. else better watch out. Well, it and it's but it's like that though. She has that list that Jacken took the bullet for. Uh, the fact that she killed someone she wasn't meant to, like, even though he was on her list, Jacken says to her that she that she was not his to ki- that he was not hers to kill. But you said Jacken took the hit, but was it Jacken? You know what I'm saying? It's th- whoever was there volunteered his life to repay the debt that came from her killing someone who was not hers to kill. We don't even know who Jacken really is. That's no, that's the crazy thing. And I saw somebody say this on social media. I forget where I saw it, but what if Jackin is the many-faced god? I thought about that as well. That's I mean, very interesting. It's all up in the air. We have red priestesses that do their business. We have hard home. We have the white walkers. We have dragons. We have there's really nowhere to draw a line. And to see what happened to Arya, you know, frantically removing these faces and to see her eyes glaze over with what appears to be blindness um, nothing is off the table. And I would just like to say that this storyline in particular, everything to do with the House of Black and White and her interactions with the people inside of it have been enigmatic. It has been riddle-like. It has been riddled with mystery. And I think that this closing scene is probably the grandest of them all. So this will be something we'll be looking at. I know that I'll be looking at over the next handful of months and uh, trying to appreciate exactly what it means and what's inside of it? Because I, I sincerely don't believe that it's simply a scene of what has happened. I think that it means a lot. I think that it tells more about the order and the people inside of it. And if this is uh, a translation of what George wrote in the book, or if it's pretty close, I still think that it, it it's 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 going to be important. I think there's more to this than we think. When she removes faces and she sees her own face, clearly there's something going on because we know Arya hasn't been murdered and yeah. they don't have her face yet. Yeah, it's duplicate faces again. It confuses the hell out of me. Or do or has she been murdered? You know, like or or do they have her face? Or is yeah, is yeah, Arya Arya? Is she seeing herself on the floor? Who is, you know, no one? What is nothing? Yeah. All there's is so she blinded many questions. because she blinded Marin like as punishment or what? There's lots left uh on the table for speculation. And I'm excited to see where it goes because when you kill a character seemingly and show them appear in the next moment. Um, you know that the, the location and all of this is happening uh, is going to be pivotal for the people involved and the, the line of the story. So guys, before we go any further in our show, mm. I want to let you know that before we got started today, I actually had my haircut. Did you? Did you know? I did. You know, it's, it's know looks a lot leader. better. <laughs> looks pretty good short. I don't know. I've always kind of liked it a little longer. But um, who cut you know, it? It's, it's blonde underneath. Uh, some woman, actually, two women. It was the conductor of that train that plagues our show. He <laughs> literally stopped the train, got out, uh, took a dagger to Eric's hair, trimmed it very nice and tight. So all of you listeners that were at the live show complimenting Eric's mm-hmm. lusty locks, you're in for a bit of disappointment. I'm not, I'm not the only character. Well, not that I'm a character. You're a character. This transition Eric. Is, Flaming into you guys, we I drew the short straw. Had to transition into Cersei. The Cersei stuff on this episode was amazing. In the finale, it was it was actually really good. A lot of strong acting. We all we always knew that 
Lena Headey had it in her. And I guess book readers have known this for a while that this scene was coming, but uh, to see it play out, the faith militant, shame, you know, high sparrow, shame. exactly, shame. shame, high sparrow hears her confession, she gives it or gives sort of a confession. She confesses to sleeping with one man, and not to the incest, not to her children being bastards born of incest, but. Uh, it's a start, I guess, and uh, Jonathan Price thinks so too. Mm-hmm. He agrees. But really, this 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 situation where it's an entire like ten minutes of the episode, the walk of atonement is obviously a big part of it. But when it ends, she is back in the arms of people that she trusts. Um, she's she's kind of. Returned to safety. Well, quite literally, she enters the arms of Kyburn and then the arms of Franken Mountain. And right, we haven't actually. It, it's been days since the finale, and uh, we haven't spoken about this yet. I haven't. I, I don't. I haven't spoken to anyone about Cersei's Walk of Atonement. So I'm 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 really excited that I'm kind of disappointed it took us this long into the episode to do that, and also <laughs> yeah. it's on the follow up yeah. episode. But there's so so many things. But you're right, this did de- dominate uh, so much of this finale, and it felt apart from any other thing we've ever seen in the show. And I feel like that's something that we've said a couple times throughout this season. But without the need for me to paint the image any more fluently than the show and Eric just did. It was Cersei Lannister, our queen, essentially, for so long, marching from the Sept of Baelor naked all the way to the Red Keep. And we get these amazing panoramic shots of her over the shoulder, and you can see the distance that she has to walk, and you can expect what's going to happen. And Mm. I just think, just straight off the top of my head right now, before we actually start gabbing a bit about it, I was just sincerely moved. I I can't pinpoint which emotion it was specifically, but it was uh, just sort of an uncomfortable just length of time spent on it. And I think Mm. the the purpose of of that boldness was definitely achieved. I think that it it made a lot of people think, and I think that um, there's so many conclusions that we can draw from what the point of all this was. And all of that stuff aside, just to see Cersei do that was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And just the the length of her walk, right? Her bloody feet. Yeah. That was meant to signify exactly how long and how torturous this walk was, never mind the cuts on her and the garbage, the literal shit the that shit, was thrown yeah. at her. But it, think about Cersei season one, end of that season, where she was, what kind of position she was in, and fast forward five seasons to where she is now. And in the same city. Same city, much different circumstances, and yet there was a glimmer of hope for her there at the end with Kyburn and the mountain. Mm. But let's not forget that this was punishment for just one of her crimes. Right, right. And that crime really in the grand scheme of what we've seen take place in Game of Thrones isn't that severe. She had sex with a cousin. 
<laughs> well, she had sex. Like, let's put that in perspective. You're right. Out of yeah, wedlock. You're right. you're right. Yeah. Completely. Well, no, let's let's think about some of the other characters and some of the other crimes okay. they've committed. Mm-hmm. I'm down think for about that. somebody like Ramsey Bolton. Oh. Well, and yeah. what well, his punishment would have to be. Wait a minute, because his crimes do, do not excuse Cersei. No, not in any way. But I'm just saying, if you if you think about how harshly she is judged by a group yeah. like the Faith Militant for the act of sex, let's take away right. all the other things that she could be charged with. Because mm-hmm. yes, she has slept with family. Right, mm-hmm. as well as been responsible for the death of Robert Baratheon, the death of Ned Stark, uh, and so she is not completely clean here. But for what she is specifically being charged with here, the does does the punishment fit the crime? Do you guys feel like it did? the The punishment was astronomical, and I think that we had this incredible sense of comfort with the kind of person that the High Sparrow was at the beginning of the season, and Jonathan Price's acting has just permeated through the screen incredibly powerfully, uh, sort of culminating into his his righteous fury in this episode, this cold, quiet, steely hatred almost that you can see inside of him. And we're left with a cliffhanger in that sense where we don't, we still don't know and understand what exactly that purpose is. Like, they can't think to truly hold on to the leadership of King's Landing always with mm-hmm. just the faith militant. So doing something like this to Cersei, who, you know, after Tywin left this world, significantly lost her position. Uh, you know, so many things changed when that happened. But mm-hmm. the boldness for this guy to do this uh, is is insane. It's just it, yeah. outrageous. So where where do they go from here? What's next? Well, it's 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 very clear that this is a show. That this is, and I'm not talking about the Game of Thrones right. show. I'm talking about having the queen mother, you know, sort of parade, be, be mm-hmm. paraded through the streets yep. naked where the uh, it's it's almost imp- it's impossible not to uh, hear the irony in Jonathan Price's voice when he declares that she's about to walk uh, among you good people mm-hmm. of the realm. Like, it's just like he he himself clearly does not give a damn about them but it's 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 all for show it's all his humble is it for show you think it's for show i i think it's more he truly believes that nobody is above this law well he that's that's the kool-aid that he wants everybody to drink here is that no one is safe but but you he is getting enjoyment out of this he is flexing the muscles that she gave him in 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 forcing her to do this he's broken her down mentally enough to get her to confess which is mm-hmm. i mean she doesn't have to confess for anything she's the fucking queen you know but but he makes her he he breaks her down into doing that and it's it's just a, a magnificent feat of how strong of how much power he's coming at her with i feel like there's so much social commentary wrapped up in George's writing and also the depiction. Uh, obviously, we haven't reached it in the books yet on this podcast, so I'm excited to see how true to it it was. But, you know, the, the role of the townspeople or the city folk uh, sort of joining in on this public shaming, the word shame being repeated over and over, the ringing of the bells almost felt like social media notifications to me. 
and just it, it just checking my phone nope nothing if it made later. me think of this uh i don't know if it so, it's such a keen way to make an analogy to our current landscape and how we're all sort of looking through a clear window at individuals that have been able to reach a stage whether it was through birth or through work, et cetera. It's, it's really random, I guess. The enigma of, of being well-known, or I guess you could call it fame. Um, but in this specific case, like you said, Eric, I feel like she was certainly being made an example of. I think that the High Sparrow has his own relationship with the faith, and I think that for the most part, it's probably sound. It's probably legit. It's probably what it seems to be like. Right. But this is like the same thing that happens to politicians. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go do this job. I'm going to do a great job at this job. I got elected. This is great. And then, oh, but there's all these other ways to do my job. That is just going to make it better for everyone overall. So small allowances are made here and there, and then it, it could potentially snowball into a completely different situation. So I think what we're seeing is Jonathan Price portraying the High Sparrow in a way that would not be honorable to the High Sparrow before Cersei approached him when he was serving bowls of brown. But he has been in this position, and he's seeing what could come from the stage that is set in front of him. And, uh, you know, if his goal is to stop sinning in King's Landing, if the people see Cersei having to do this for sleeping with Lancel Lannister— at least a handful of people will probably think about what they do when the faith yeah. militant are around. So for him, it's a it's a very long, inadvertent way to achieve something with only using one person. Mm-hmm. I, I almost question the faith militant, though, much like I do the Night's Watch in terms of how loyal are they to their oaths. Yeah. Yes. Well, they carve do. the logo into their foreheads. Well, fair enough, but they also swear an oath in the Night's Watch. Now, granted, the caliber of individual that is a part of the Night's Watch versus a caliber of individual that's probably a part of the Faith Militant, and I'm sure there are extreme examples on each end, you would think that there's a little bit more quality to those that are in the Faith Militant. But we've seen how dangerous they are. We see what they did to King's Landing. Uh, in that one episode earlier this season, and obviously now what they're willing to do to the queen or, or to the queen mother. What they did before, we compared also to the Kingsguard. You know, any group of men, how loyal are they? Are there dissenters within, you know, who can really screw things up? It's it's a mixed bag, literally, of mm. uh, when you get these groups. Now, there's a, there's a whole other side to this, too, because when I'm watching this scene and, and I remove everything else that... I know about Cersei. This is a complete degradation of a woman, mm. and it's completely it stripping her of all of her pride and all of her power. And yeah. this was a woman who was extremely prideful, extremely powerful, and was a force to be reckoned with just earlier this season. Uh, and we've seen the things she's been capable of. And I would only think that this is a punishment that would be specific for a woman. I couldn't see the same type of punishment being put on a man. I I don't know what 
the the equivalent would be well, from somebody like the High Sparrow. It, it, it was the the former High Septon was paraded through the streets naked. Yeah. Um. Earlier this season, a slightly shorter walk. Yeah, shorter walk. They they abbreviated showing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I I there probably was not as much ceremony, but no, th- this walk and. It's uh, women who commit adultery. I'm thinking of like the Scarlet Letter to having to wear a patch that's visibly that visibly puts you aside uh, from from the group and just public shaming and that kind of. That, it's a that, cathartic that, that release from the mob. You know, though, so I, I wonder up. what I'm what I'm thinking about is Cersei obviously got through this. She's a very strong woman, and she, I I, I wonder if she'll come out from this experience not just with iron resolve but with a a a sense of humility empowerment the ability to be like okay these were my sins i was stripped and laid bare i completed my walk of atonement now what do i have to be sorry for the rest of the things she didn't admit to yeah i mean but (laughs) she's like you know what that walk counted for all of them she still got a trial which is the scary part um yeah according to yeah, but she's got a, a hell of a uh, creature in her corner. That was one of the... I don't know. I haven't seen such a raw depiction of a creepy character like him. Usually there's so much monster makeup. or there's just He was just in Kingsguard armor. And yeah. when you looked underneath it, he was very clearly the kind of person... Yeah, exactly. That we thought he had been becoming over the past season. I thought that was very, very cool. Very clever. It's, it's, it is, it is cool. It's cool to show less and let the imagination exactly. take. Yeah, exactly. No, but I, I was actually reading uh, an Entertainment Weekly article with the body double, with Cersei's body double, actress by the name of Rebecca Van Cleve, and she was talking about accomplishing that sequence of going through with Lena Headey every step of the way and discussing what Cersei was thinking the entire walk, like each pace, essentially, pace by pace, and how that translates to body language. And just thinking about shooting with this number of extras and having, you know, managing the crowd in the way that it does, that during the walk of atonement or walk of shame, however uh, you you describe it, there is this tension that builds. And Mm -hmm. when they're getting just towards, you know, closer to the castle and you start to see Kingsguard waiting for for her in addition to the faith militant still beating people out of the way like it's very it's just very violent and what i love about how david nutter um did this like in the very beginning right after they undress her there is a brief shot of just her feet and they're clean and uninjured mm-hmm. and then of course um kyburn takes a look at them and you see how how they transform but it's just it's it's a a great indicator of of the weight of the ordeal that she's just been put through um, conveyed as simply as that, yeah. as simply as something like that. Exactly. I think that the imagery in this sequence is something that we're going to be able to speak on for a long time. It's something that I think we'll need to revisit uh, in our episode where we dive into Owens of the Season and in general dive into a larger overarching discussion, which I'm very excited about because we haven't looked at Season 5 yet. We've only looked individually, and that's always something that I've looked forward to when we've done these seasons. But uh, yeah. Just in general, again, uh, there was so much in that scene, and uh, I think it meant so much. And I'm curious to what it meant to you listening, uh, how it made you feel. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one of the most powerful scenes in the entire series, I would say, so far. And you know, just thinking about symbolism, you were talking about her feet. How about when she falls down and she gets back up? And I can't help but think that there was some 
symbolism there as well. Uh, whether that is, you know, for the future or just how she's lived her life that no matter how hard she's gotten knocked down, she always gets back up. And I think we're led to believe going into that final scene with her that when Kyburn talks about uh, how this Franken mountain uh, won't rest until all of her enemies have been destroyed, uh, that is not good news for anybody who is on Cersei's list, never mind Arya's list. <laughs> uh, I, I can't help but imagine that uh, having the mountain in your corner is not good news for anybody who is an enemy of the Lannisters. Yeah, and that's – we haven't even spoken about how Kyburn pulled this off. <laughs> He may be in a position of convenience to uh, get the wares that he may want for his discoveries. But again, think about the society and the time that they live in. So to be able to resurrect the dead without any clear use of magic that we've seen from him mm-hmm. so far, and maybe Absolutely. he wasn't all the way dead, uh, is is a is a mystery. He doesn't have a chocolate-covered pill like from Princess Bride. So I, I, maybe <laughs> he did. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm curious. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's it's all up for discussion we know that he was cleansing his blood or at least trying to but you have to imagine that there's still some of that poison that oberon used flowing through his veins and I mean, if that guy was him purple. live yeah the corruption that, that's scary as hell spread. so uh but i would also say you know seeing the reactions of picel seeing the reaction of kevin lannister exactly, yeah i wouldn't think that everybody is on cersei's side i mean she's been as mentioned before, really stripped of her pride and stripped of her power and how long it may take for her to rise back up, um, maybe enough time for others to step in and, and take over. Well, that was just, for me, that was one of the most bold moments of the entire sequence because we have the entire walk. We have the people that are shouting at her, we have people that are throwing things at her. We have the bloody feet. We have the, the pain on her face. We have just the way that it was presented to us. And then we enter, we, we, we finish, and you see Kevin Lannister, and you know the implications of that, and you know how, how strict their parting was. And so you can expect he's getting some kind of, some kind of, you know, all right, out of this, which is is hopefully not the case because I'd like to think that he's got a little bit of salt in him that uh, maybe he'll turn out to be someone that's useful to some degree. Yeah, I'm starting to blood, root for almost every human now that the supernatural <laughs> is is as terrible as it is, uh, no matter their last name, which is probably the way we should have been from the beginning uh, because people are just people, right? That's the moral of this whole story. But, yeah. um, you know, she walks in and then, you know, Picel, the audacity that man has. Yeah, you know, and then, you know, it's just. But what does it say, though, right, that it's Kyburn that comes to her, not Kevin, her uncle, not Picel, who's been serving her for many, many years, more than Kyburn. It's Kyburn that comes to her. He has the genuine interest. Well, she's always been kind to him, right? He seems to be the most decent out of all of them. I just think we have a lot to look forward to here next season. We know that the Queen of Thorns, Marjorie, Loris... That story wasn't really tied up, and we don't know what awaits them for their respective sins that they've committed. If it's anything like Cersei's, uh, it's going to be very painful to watch. Uh, and I would assume, just like Cersei, not only are they going to have to atone for their sins, they're going to have to uh, 
uh, face similar trials. So what does that all mean? And, and what is this proof that Baelish mentioned to the Queen of Thorns? Yeah. Have we already seen it or have we yet to see it? And what does that mean for Cersei? Because if it is proven that Cersei lied to the High Sparrow, which we know she did, when she said that she didn't have any sort of relationship with mm-hmm. Jamie, how is that going to play itself out? Seem like you have another war on your hands I within know. King's Landing. Not to mention everything else that's happening. And and you made a, such a great point on our last episode uh, when you were when we briefly talked about Cersei, but just the condition of King's Landing, and and how bad it is. Like when you look to all these other parts of the world, everything else that's going on for for a part of the realm that's supposed to be progressive and supposed to be somewhat stable. Yeah. It's com- complete instability, complete chaos, and it's not looking like it's going to hold up for the long term at this point. I I still blame Robert. (laughs) He had 18 (laughs) years to shape that place up, and uh, he drank it all away. I'm throwing it on, on Joffrey's shoulders. I think yeah, there's that too. Robert was a was a champion and a warlord and a good man. <laughs> Don't you insult Robert Baratheon in front hey, of look, me. That's what I love about this. We can all see something different in this same story. That's kind of, I guess, the um, origin of, of Owens, isn't it? Now that was very well done, Eric. Very Thank well you. done. Well, I guess we're here then. You know, we've we've spoken about this at length. We have more definitive discussions. For season five approaching, which all of your thoughts are are, are welcome uh, and encouraged. Well, many of our listeners have already written in in a number of different ways, uh, sending us their owns for this particular episode, the season finale of season five, and we got a lot as usual. <laughs> but I'd even say more so well, yeah. than normal because let's face it, this was yeah, this was the finale. This was the episode. And there were so many moments uh, we got uh, a ton of tweets and posts on Facebook, and we will get to those because they're stored away in our satchel. Uh, but first, uh, we want to get to the emails uh, because we love to give the emailers some love. We always enjoy hearing from them and all the different parts of the world that they're writing to us from. Our first email today comes from Lee Darmawan, who says, Hey guys. I know you're probably bombarded with emails and own submission for this season finale. Correct. So I'm just going to make it brief. My own goes to Stannis for having a better vision than Melisandre when in the first scene he said, speak up, can't be worse than mutiny. That was, (laughs) I loved that. I don't think we've given that enough conversation that just side by side, your grace, your grace. (laughs) What now? And all the way from Tunisia, Lewis writes, Hey guys, I'm from Tunisia and love the podcast. (laughs) My first own in bold for this finale goes for the bravest army commander, the one true king Stannis, and how he faces his destiny with courage after being abandoned by everyone. Rest in peace, the Manus. Wow. That's two for Stannis. I gotta say, these owns aren't going the direction I thought they would be. (laughs) I think that maybe some folk at home are letting go of their hatred as he's passed. Yes. Presumed dead. All right. Next one comes from, you can call me Kevin H. And he says, <laughs> this is my first time contacting your show. I just want to let you know, I think your show is easily the best Game of Thrones podcast. Thoroughly enjoy your show because it celebrates George R. R. Martin's universe while still experiencing the show on a subjective and visceral level. Ugh. You also seem to have a good understanding of the creative process, especially in how books are transferred from page to screen. 
and you do all this with great humor and spirit. And wine. Any, <laughs> lots of wine. Uh, anyway, my own goes to the Lord of Light for delivering swift and severe retribution to Lord Stannis for burning Shireen. Yeah. It is now apparent that the Lord of Light is a just and benevolent deity, and that the burning of a lamb as innocent as Shireen was in direct conflict to what this god stands for. Mm. It is obvious now that Melisandre is a total fraud, or she at least knows nothing of the true nature of the Lord of Light. So there you go, Eric. He, uh, Kevin H., just uh, counterpunched. Yeah. Well, well, those 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 two those first two owners have fallen over in recoil. Uh, <laughs> Double counterpunch, a- Kevin H. Bringing in the the heavy the heavy fire. Mm, I like what you said. It's obvious she's a total fraud, which mm-hmm. in my mind means a she was either lying to Stannis the entire time and maybe misleading him, or b right. she doesn't have any skills. Um, which we've seen that she can give birth to a demon-like creature, so she yeah, clearly has that. some kind of skill. Uh, and then uh, if she doesn't know the true nature of the Lord of Light, um, yeah, that's, a, that's that's something to chew on there. I, you know, we, no we, way we better to learn the 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 real truth than with Jon Snow in your arms. <laughs> <laughs> As we've mentioned before. But anyway, uh, our following email comes from Kristen L., uh, she says, never emailed before, but I thought this one was different. Okay. My own goes to Gendry because Good. we have to deduce now that since Renly Baratheon is dead and had no children, and Stannis Baratheon and his only child are dead, and Robert Baratheon is dead, <laughs> and Joffrey is a Lannister, and Robert left no trueborn children, the throne defaults technically to Gendry as far as I can tell. As far as I can tell, <laughs> that's what, you know, you've got uh, Maya Stone and Gendry. Maybe they're going to have right? a little uh, a little tussle, you know. We'll see. She's a little busy, you know, traversing the peaks of the Vale. He's got to get off the boat, though. He does have to get off the boat. Seriously, he's going to get off the boat, and he is going to arm wrestle the mountain and win. <laughs> Our next email from Michael. Hello, Goo. Oh, my fucking God. They've killed John, you bastards! I think that was a South Park reference. As a book reader and someone who is very sullied, I love when people say they're very sullied, you know? Because it's like, you can either be sullied or unsullied, but there are varying degrees of sullied in, the, in our community that I've discovered, and I think that's that's interesting. Anyway. That's kind of like being really dirty, right? Exactly. You really... I've read all the books, just all of them. A few times. Oh, I read them a few times. I'm really sullied. I read them sullied. in the shower, man. I read them in the oh. shower. I read A World of Ice and Fire. I read A Dunkin' Egg. Some of it. I'm still catching up on Princess and the Queen, but I'm really very sullied. Anyway... As a book reader and someone who is very sullied, I had other hopes for John. But the double D's have stated that Kit Harrington has said this goodbye. No R plus L equals J then. On a more positive mm. note, Stannis the not so manis is dead, as is Miranda. My own for this episode will please Eric. It's Theon! <laughs> Yes. A.K.A. Reek for growing a new set of pillar and stones and oh, hopefully man. saving Stannis. Oh, excuse me, that's Sansa. That would be interesting, though, from having her lady parts removed with arrows. Winter is here, yeah. Michael. Growing, I love I love that growing a new set of pillar and stones. Bravo. Just about the part on uh, Kit Harrington. I mean, it's my belief that he believes that he's not coming back, but... I don't really know that that's true. 
And maybe John is not coming back, but somebody else. Yeah. Let's just talk about this some more, guys, as if we haven't dedicated enough of this episode, <laughs> the past episode, to John. Uh, Arsenal and me emailed in, says, oh, quite a few owns here. First known to Theon for killing Reek figuratively, Woo! and hopefully not literally, mm. uh, to Sam for vaguely telling his sex story. <laughs> yeah. Now they know they are even on fucking wildlings and killing White Walkers. <laughs> yes, they are equal. They are. Uh, to Varys for just showing up. We yeah. did miss you. Hashtag, oh, I know. Oh, and I know. to David and Dan for giving us the best finale of the best series in the world. Here's a round of clapter. <laughs> Your words, guys. Oh, to, the whole, <laughs> to the whole Game of Thrones family. Okay, I'll join in on that. That was a fantastic fifth season. Kayla writes. You guys ready to hear her email? Yeah. Yes. First line. And looks like she's just bulleted owns out. All right, concise. I like that. No pleasantries, okay. no greetings. Right into it. First thing. <laughs> Thanks, Kayla. The Rohan for finding and rescuing a dirty, starving girl from a mountaintop. To the Rohan. They hawkened and they came in and they flanked and AMA stood. Anyway, the Mexican soap opera. This is the next one. The Mexican soap opera that is Dorn. Hashtag <laughs> literal kiss of death. Telenovela. Next own, Drogon acting like Charizard when Ash Ketchum asks him to be helpful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Charizard point. does have an that's, attitude. That's a really good one. Yeah. Next own, the High Sparrow slyly checking out Cersei's ass before she begins her walk of shame. I didn't catch that, but... I just, yep, maybe it's there. Maybe it's there. Next own, watching every single thing Stannis holds dear being flushed down the toilet. Talk about zero to a hundred real quick. Obviously, I haven't yet mentioned the big scene us Sullied have been waiting for. The only thing I will say about this is, where the fuck is Ghost? Best, Kayla. Hmm. He where? pulled a Drogon. <laughs> I'm not coming to work today, guys. We do have a lot of other owns to get to that you sent in on Twitter and Facebook. It is that time now of the episode. Oh, man. Bust that satchel open because I know it's about ready to burst. Hell yeah. Stick your hand in there, Zach. Get oh, the fire crackling. Rummaging around. It's time for a little <laughs> bit of a countdown. Make sure to have fun with this segment because it's the last one you're going to hear until next year. So, high five. Big up. Can't be worse than mutiny. Ashley Sanders says my own for the episode goes to Cersei. Even after three kids and drinking buckets of wine every day, bitch still has a banging body. <laughs> Best season yet, still in complete shock over John's death. Us too. In case you didn't tell. Raj No Cerna says own goes to the season finale. That's it. Noble own. Very noble. Yeah. Whole finale. The this whole next name, though. What's Gucci? Hayden <laughs> says, own to brand for staying out of all this drama. Yeah, yeah definitely. Good call, good call. Yeah. Chris Man. has been DJing the whole time. <laughs> Holden Drover says, took me a few days to recover from that one. You guys helped, as usual. My own goes to Kyburn for getting shit done. Hashtag Mountainstein. Oh, Mountainstein. that is good. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, Mountainstein. Mountainstein. Is awesome. Also, I've never mourned a character like I did John. He must live. I need this, Lord of Light. Hashtag, you just pissed on my rug. <laughs> hashtag, dude. Love hashtag, dude. Christopher M. Kowalczyk says, Arya for her Orin Ishii moment. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> 
Lena Sophia, my own ghost to Jon Snow for being dead. No, for being the reason that for the first time I don't mind waiting a whole year until the next season. Aww. Amanda Mitchell, own ghost to Arya for avenging children and preteens everywhere and reaping no punishment. Just lessons. Well, she did go blind. Cam Fusil, owned to D&D for creating the most punishing and exciting episode the show has ever had. You listeners are all masochists. Also, an own to cliffhangers and ambiguity. Hashtag John. Hashtag Stannis. Hashtag Marcella. Marcella's dead. <laughs> so is Stannis. <laughs> so sure. They're all dead. Jeremy Kimball says, own goes to the peasant that got to shake his trouser snake at Cersei before getting bashed out of the way. She's like, oh, I'm a I think there was a couple of those. Eileen Alexander Kidder. My own goes to Danny, who had the foresight to drop a pearl ring in the middle of a huge fucking field in the middle of a huge fucking country of Essos, knowing that her people will be able to locate her when they have absolutely no idea where Drogon may have taken her. Hashtag needle in a haystack. And of wow. course... Jorah and Dario will be able to do it. Hashtag he flew north. Hashtag no chance he might change directions. Hashtag he's a dragon, not an arrow. Hashtag episode too sad for other owns. Wow, Eileen. Our good friend Oisin Doyle. My own goes to Tyrion and Varys taking over for Danny and running Marine. It will be fucking amazing. Mm. Hashtag the imp and the eunuch. Hashtag Danny is incompetent. Hashtag they should rule Westeros. You get all the good hashtags. Ricardo Torres. Owned to Podrick Payne for his expert knowledge of heraldry. Indeed. The show has made it a point to highlight this skill several times. Yellow balls. <laughs> <laughs> Lemon. Uh, if we can only go back to those days. Chris Michel Halcom. Second own. Oh, well, we didn't get the first, but he's going to give us the second. <laughs> own goes to a future Maester Samwell. I hope he can return from the Citadel fast with a knowledge on how to cure six stab wounds. You and me both, Chris <laughs> Michelle. If he comes back and is just like, I took an accelerated course. I'm here. I'm ready for what it. What we need are band-aids. <laughs> Casey Olsen. Own to Theon. There you go, yes. Eric. It would have been better if he would have replied to Miranda saying, Reek, what are you doing? Reek, No. With a names three, <laughs> can't even do it. Names Theon Greyjoy, bitch, before he Tom pettied her. That's you need to write fanfic. That was vivid. John Davis says, "My own goes to revenge for Arya's slow killing of Meryn, for Brienne passing sentence on Stannis for killing Renly, for Shireen and Solis they took the life from Stannis, and for future revenge." Once Cersei has had a bath, and if John is not dead. Hashtag revenge is good. Hashtag where was ghost? Daniela Harker. Owen goes to the many-faced god for all the death in that episode. Even the sullied mind is blown and heartbroken. So sullied. Mm, so very sullied. sullied. <laughs> Alex Pupo says, my own goes to the commoner who flashes Cersei as she does her walk of atonement. Hashtag shake your moneymaker. Hashtag medieval magic mic. Sexels. Dan Groth. Owen to Arya for recycling like a boss. She is great at recycling. Dan Groth also says, Owen to the double Ds for making me feel sorry for Cersei and her... Th no, I'm not reading that. <laughs> and Rob Ray. Owen goes to Arya for taking that beating from the stick like a champ. Yeah, she really did. Ian Loomis writes, Owen goes to the, in last week's episode, pre-roll for faking us all out with the Benjen footage. I totally got squealy thinking Benjen would actually show up. Hashtag... Fool me once. Shame on us. Jeff Thomas, owned to Peter Shame. Baelish for staying under the radar 
and getting everything he wants. As we speak, he's at the head of a column of 4,000 armored knights and some 15,000 foot, ready to take Winterfell, Warden of the East and North, and soon the South and West, Smile Emoticon. He literally wrote that. High five. King of the castle. <laughs> Elise Cara, own ghost to the guy who rubs shit on Cersei. Hashtag gross. <laughs> Don't judge. Bridget Meese, my own goes to Arya for marking off that first name on her list. And did anyone else have a Star Wars flashback as she kept pulling faces off the fake jacket until she got to her own face? Made me think of Luke Skywalker in the messed up cave on Dagobah. Oh man, that cave That cave was a very messed up cave. Amy Allsman writes, own goes to the 500 Dothraki for having the quietest ninja horses and somehow sneaking up on Danny. <laughs> Androgon. Androgon. Yes. Very light-footed horses. Kyle Denny. My own goes to the newest member of the King's Guard, Sir Gregor Frankenstein. Hashtag pronounced Frankenstein. Joe Nieto. My own goes to the Night's Watch. That gang of murderers, thieves, rapists, and so on. They have no honor, no strategy, no leadership, no plan, and now no commander. They own what will come. They will have their, quote, oh crap moment, as did Stannis, when he was surrounded and executed. Should have made that left turn in Albuquerque. <laughs> Michael Chavon, there's so many owns, and most are tragic. I want to remind everyone of the own that goes to Marcella for being a sweet, proud, and progressive offspring of Jamie. Such a sweet moment. They were so happy. Before that bloody wench Alaria devastated my heart. We have to take care of one another. Thanks, Goo. No problem, Michael. No problem at all. We will. We will take care of each other. Andrew Lim, my own goes to Theon for introducing Miranda to base jumping. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new attraction. Hashtag skydive Winterfell. Oh. That she did. No, no. Jose Quintero, never thought I would say this. Own to Theon Greyjoy for the only happy moment in the whole finale. Uh. Hashtag goodbye, Reek. Riss Palazzo, my own goes to the woman in the crowd that jumped out and screamed, brother fucker, to Cersei's face. Well done. And Will Warren, my own goes to Tyrion. Dario, are you a great fighter? Tyrion, I've fought. Hashtag half man. Indignant to the end. Rebecca Paul, sent in her own. She says own goes to Drogon for exhibiting typical teenage boy behaviors. Not listening to his mother, wanting to sleep during the day, all day, and clearly, clearly not cleaning his room. There were a lot of bones. Lots of bones. That's exactly how my room looked like when I was a teenager. Israel Gatt says, own goes to Thea, own Greyjoy, <laughs> and Sansa for the leap of faith. I like that. Quite literally. He- Heather Heather Bechtold says, own goes for the Jack and Death fake out. They really had me yelling at the screen for a bit. Johanna Camacho writes in, own should go to Drogon. He may look like a dragon, but deep down he is a cat, and no one tells a cat what to do, <laughs> even if he flies and burns things, because a cat, I mean a dragon, is not a slave. Too true. Leslie Weaver Wagner says, my own goes to the citizens of Westeros in the much anticipated and sorely desired humiliation of the evil that is a king mother, Cersei Lannister. All hail to Westeros. Thank you all for such a great turnout and for taking the time out of your busy days to forevermore take that woman down a peg or three. Or ten. No matter what she does, if she stays in Westeros, she will never again be able to look into the eyes of the people and not feel that walk of shame in the depths of her cold, pathetic core. Huzzah. Hashtag Cersei hater. <laughs> well, Leslie, tell us how you really feel. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Tuttle. Own goes to John. Like father, like son. Four stark deaths and not one had a chance to defend themselves. People kill what they don't understand. 
and the Starks seem to be the true rarity in this world and thinner by the season. That is true. Rob Sang. Doran Martell owns the prize for most useless person in Westeros. He just narrowly beats Brienne, who spent all season waiting for a signal from Sansa, and then misses the bloody thing to go kill a guy who would have died anyway. <laughs> I like that. Diana Crossan. I kept saying, let his eyes turn blue. Robert Taylor. Oh, and my own goes to Brienne for killing Stannis, like Inigo Montoya and Princess Bride. My name is Brienne of Tarth. You killed my king. Prepare to die. She did have a little bit of Montoya in her there. A little bit of Montoya. We all have a little Montoya in us. A little Montoya in us. David Lazaric at Sonador on Twitter says, My own goes to revenge, which takes a price on its seekers as well as its victims. Dish best served cold. Old Paths Guide on Twitter. Own to the writers for making a reveal of incest a touching moment. Hashtag Marcella. I guess a part of me is always known for... Steven D'Souza says... Own goes to the Dothraki for the formation around Danny. I'm sure they get together and practice that once a month. They have to. <laughs> Brienne of Tarth, my morning after own goes to Arya for owning Marin Trans facial region. Sean Fredtown Stomper says my own goes to Reek, turn Theon, who actually grew a pair and is on the path to redemption. Brendan Fitzpatrick agrees with Sean, says own of the episode goes to Theon. That's right, Theon. Reek no more. I'm so happy to see all this Theon. <laughs> Kyle Sweet, Ollie is lucky Santa Claus doesn't exist. Eh. <laughs> Hashtag naughty boy. Oh, gosh. Shauna tweeted in, my final own this season goes to Arya for crossing off another item on her bucket list. Jennifer Noble, my own definitely goes to Sansa and Theon. That was a badass jump. Yeah, yeah. Marlene Montooth writes in, own goes to Rallor, Lord of Light, for screwing over Stannis. The gods may answer prayers, but the answer is usually no. Funny how the gods work. Sub Bogsy, Bogsy Sullivan on Twitter says, With LOL for an acronym, how did hashtag Stannis hashtag Melisandre not realize Lord of Light was trolling? <laughs> Angry Mike writes in, My own goes to all my book reading friends for never spoiling me on the show. Hashtag we are all sullied now. They deserve it. I agree, Mike. Well done. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. Amy says, First stone goes to the showrunners for making my sullied heart content. That closure, though. And second own goes to Sansa. My baby girl is one strong-ass motherfucker. Can't wait for her to rule side-by-side side with Danny. Huh. That'd be cool. Jam writes in, all caps, J-A-M. The old gods ultimately own Stannis after last week's atrocity. <laughs> Hashtag, fuck your firepower. Hashtag, we don't fuck with kinslaying. Yeah, maybe the old gods uh, intervened. I like that. At Jarlim on Twitter, own goes to Arya for the moment she changed her face. It was like some horror movie in some ways. That it was. Kelsey Wilmus, Winter on Water on Twitter. Owned to Maester Kyburn for sharing a tender moment with Cersei. He's a very thoughtful fellow. A very thoughtful fellow. Marcus Tarly, the man, the myth, the legend. Probably most popular, but owned to Reek slash Theon for remembering who he is and Sansa for finally putting that candle in the tower. I think that might be the most popular. Finally. John Webster, 84. If you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Hashtag for the watch. <laughs> Silas Reed. Reek owned the veil, proving you don't need a moon door to make a crazy bitch fly. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. I didn't expect that one. Jonathan Bothan. Owned to hope and positivity. I like where this is going. They were banished most spectacularly. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Steve Kavari writes, 
I feel violated and goddamn the Night's Watch. Not really known, but honorable mention. Vincidious on Twitter. Own to Dario Naharis for owning logical thought tonight. Priapus. That's their name. Stannis got owned by everyone. Hashtag karma's a bitch. Hashtag he deserved worse. Gary Manis tweeted in. Owned to Tyrion for barely blinking an eye at Varys's apparition skills. Hashtag mad respect for the spider. At Party Pig says my own goes to Alaria <laughs> Sand. For pulling off a killer poison ivy impression. Hashtag yeah. should have used plastic lips. Or rubber lips. John Paul McCaskill. Own goes to Melisandre for being dead wrong, but living to fight another day. Hashtag I smell king's blood. Jessica Denton. Own to the Varys Tyrion bromance for providing us with a victory moment that didn't end in tragedy. <laughs> Hashtag it's dwarf. Hashtag I missed you. Hashtag I know. Peggy Ruiz. <laughs> Gives an own to the many-faced god for taking Arya's sight. Hashtag no face. Brandon Shatziek says my own goes to the High Septon for quickly sending out that press release that there was a Walk of Atonement that day. Hashtag good turnout. That was a great turnout. They're like, Cersei's going to be naked? Oh, they cut her hair. All right. We'll stay. Kristen writes in. D&D owned my emotions. Sullied since season one and still shell-shocked from that ending. Hashtag fuck the watch. It's a better FTW, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. That's what it's going to mean for me from now on. It's not going to be for the watch. Shainer says, Valar Morghulis. My own goes to Kyburn and his Franken Mountain. It's alive, mostly. Yeah, not in the face. Just a random, wrote in, Ollie owned Jon Snow. Hashtag, he suspected nothing. It hurts. They played Benjen card on him. I mean, come on. The music got so hopeful. I was like, yeah! Like it was totally like Benjamin return music too. He's dancing on the table at Geek Bar. Two parts Rye writes in. Own to the pointy end. It was busy tonight. <laughs> Hashtag for your eyes only. Sir Marin. In your sides. Aaron Conroy Theon slash Reek gets my own this week. Killed Miranda. Then Thelma and Louise with Sansa nearby <laughs> killing Reek. Theon is back. Casey Rustifer says honorable mention goes to Alaria for poisoning herself. To poison Marcella, revenge game on point. True. And Sheza, my own goes to Cersei for making me actually feel bad for her and helping her plot for revenge. How did that happen? I don't know. How'd you get in touch with Cersei? Yeah, I don't know. Jezza. Ellie Tarwater. Fingers crossed. We can all give our own owns to Melisandre next season. Fire emoji. Red lady dancing by the fire. Clever. I love it. I hope it's true. Amy T. Own goes to Theon for owning Miranda and for finally remembering what it's like to have a set. Hashtag no Brienne necessary. Theon's getting a lot of love. It's like unproportionate Theon love tonight. Alex Cardenas. Eric's about to transform into the mountain, essentially. He's getting all this power inside of him. Yeah. Ollie owned Brutus. Et tu, Ali? Ali. Ali. Ghost. Manu Detective, which is the old gods of Manu. Which is, I guess, more topical and seasonal now that True Detectives and everyone's brain holes. Ah. The lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Own to Kit Harrington for a fabulous season. What a finish. Hashtag OMGOT. <laughs> Amy Calhoun. My own goes to Arya for being the most badass 10-year-old girl of all time. Hashtag stick him with the pointy end. Hashtag in the eyes. Sid Chowdhury says, My own goes to Cersei. Her expression of vengeance and appetite for torture would make Ramsay jizz his pants. <laughs> I hope they never meet, though, just so that we don't ever have to see that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Christina tweeted in, George R. R. Martin owned us all by leaving us hanging with hashtag for the watch. 
The Winds of Winter is going to fly off the shelves like a raven from King's Landing. Very accurate. Sirius Pro Scion says, Own to Brienne for completing her journey, and to Theon, who owned the F out of Creepy Miranda with a watermelon splat. All right, I'm going to give this next one the best try I have. At Audger Inisard. You need to play more Skyrim. I'll say it, then you say it. Uh, and I'll dude, take I yours over. No my. idea. In the store, door, door. <laughs> well, anyway, all the way from Iceland. <laughs> I've never cried over Game of Thrones, but I felt a tear swelling up when Marcella revealed that she knew all along and that she was glad. Steph Nelson, my own goes to Arya for giving us the only thing worth cheering for in this episode and a pre-own for whoever kills Ramsay. Those, those pre-owns are adding up. Yes, they are. Hey, welcome to our pre-owned own section. They've already been used, <laughs> but they're pretty funny. Use them next year. They haven't happened yet, coming. but we assume they might. I like this next own from Stephanie, who says, If Micah doesn't get a standing O for being the most careful and secretive co-host ever, he's a credit to all of us, Sullied. Uh, okay, Micah, I'm standing up here. I'll give you a standing own. I'm standing up. Uh, when did the White <laughs> Fall and my own goes to Karma, specifically in the form of Brienne and Oathkeeper. Hashtag Brepod. Hashtag what goes around comes around. Hashtag to behead you. Kaluminati says my own goes to Stannis. Even though he sunk so low we hated him, he was the one true king and went out as such. Hashtag all the feels. Everyone. Mary D. Theon, not Reek, owned Miranda right off of that ledge. Gravity. That's a popular one this week. And Moonica says my own goes to David and Dan for shocking not only the unsullied, but the sullied as well. Ricky Young says owned to Jackin slash no one for playing the game of faces like no other. Hashtag eyes for eyes. Hashtag I can't see. Sky Patagas says my own goes to Brienne. She finally got her revenge. Hashtag no Father's Day for Stannis. And Chris says my own goes to Theon of House Greyjoy for escorting Sansa out from the depths of hell to make snow angels. Hashtag fuck off, Miranda. <laughs> Letty Librarian on Twitter. Own totally goes to Brienne. She succeeds by swinging her justice with Oathkeeper. No mother's Ooh. mercy for you, Stannis. Liddy Silva, my own goes to Lena Hetty for nailing that scene with the penance walk. Hashtag all the awards, hashtag all the owns. I see an Emmy in your future. <laughs> Just like an award. Erica Flores, ooh la la. My own goes to Arya Stark for going gangster or Marin Trent and always remembering who you are. Legendary fabled hero Songbird Rescue Cat at Makarov, two underscores, writes into us. First owned to Tyrion for getting put in charge of another city. Second own to GRRM and the writers for maybe killing what we love. Pastor. Emily Rugburn oh. at Penny Lane 516 on Twitter says, My own goes to Cersei for owning that literal shame. Of shame. Ding, ding. Bare bones <laughs> at Carl Slate writes in, Man, Sanus is just having one of those <laughs> days. Right? <laughs> Jaslyn Bywater, I mean Mantell, writes in, Arya Stark just owned my eyes, my pants, and my soul. <laughs> in that order. Ricky Young tweets, very sharply, my Valerian is a bit nostril. <laughs> that was a <laughs> great scene. And I'm still in this one from Micah, just because Lauren Essie writes, my own goes to Micah T, that's, that's our Micah, for keeping that secret for five seasons. Hashtag for the watch. Hashtag for the unsullied. Hashtag... We're all unsullied now. Or are we? Caleb Nicholson. HBO owned the audience by including Benjin in the previously on. Yeah. Yes, they did. Much, we all uh, yeah. cheered in the bar when uh, oh, we yeah, saw him dude. in the preview. Oh, Karen gosh. Sita says, My own goes to Cersei because she gets up when she falls. She badass. 
Insert outrage here, says the own has to go to Sir Alistair. Using John's love for Benjen was rough, yet effective. Hashtag the only Stark who ever loved John. All the Starks. I don't know about that. But Arya. At black underscore gendo, gendo, tweets in, my own goes to the citizens of King's Landing. They finally let out their five season long hate on Cersei on her walk of shame. Steffer says, my own goes to the music directors for using the reins of Castamere during Cersei scenes. Lannister song used against them. Fitting. And here we go. The last own in the very bottom of the satchel Ugh. comes from one Karen Dean at Karen is bomb on Twitter. Prove it, Karen. Prove it. <laughs> She's about to test. She has a huge task in front of her for this final own of the finale. Her own goes to two random dudes in the crowd. All hail the royal tits. <laughs> and I'm a Lannister. Suck me, me off. off. Well done, Karen. Man. Well done. Well done, everyone. This was uh, a massive selection. Pages upon pages, and I know that a lot of them did not make the cut. But there there it is. There we've had it. We've shared all of our owns for season five, except, of course, owns of the season. How's it feel? Feels good. Very good. Strange feeling. The season came by and went so fast, so quickly. Very good. Only one thing could be left now that we've gone through the entire season and that is we need to recap the entire fucking thing (laughs) the podcast for me i hear the word and i think of how do like what do we say because you have to say stuff when you make things right like you have to properly title it and and i guess perhaps categorize it try to do things optimally you know just try to do a good job and i i have a hard time uh just assigning a term to this like these conversations that we have because I don't I personally I don't feel like we're recapping much. I feel like we're we're just trying to come to terms with what the show and the story has done to not only us but to all of you listening. And this has been a particularly haunting season in several regards. I don't think I could have enjoyed it to this level. Not even not even close if I wasn't sharing it with you guys here on the show right and all of you at home who have been writing in and discussing and just jabbering back and forth and and creating really uh incredible conversations this has been hands down the most exciting season for us as far as communication with you the listeners has gone and um i'm just looking forward to much more of it it's been a really fun experience yeah it's it you're right. It's more continued discussion than it is recapping. It's it's really sharing our feelings from the entire season and talking through all the major moments and what the implications are for season six and beyond. And I know that uh, our listeners are going to have plenty of owns to send in their owns of the season. We're going to give our owns of the season, which is going to take some careful thought here Definitely. because there were some serious Do we moments. get two or... I think we could. Why not? We can get an honorable mention. Let's just say we'll get one, and I'll be like, I could give it to Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's how you sneak it in. Otherwise, everybody's (laughs) going to want to get two. Honestly, listen to what Mike is saying. This is your your time. If you haven't written in, and you haven't had your your things discussed or giggled at, and and you haven't considered all the thousands of people at home that might enjoy your specific thought on what's been happening inside the series, Mm -hmm. you have this final shot. 
Here on our is. next episode. Your call to action. Send in your own for the season, definitively. Send in a few if you'd like, but make sure to yeah. make the one that is your favorite much cooler. <laughs> much clearer. <to laughs> well, us hey, as well. I will say this. If you can fit two owns and 140 characters, <laughs> then we will read both of them. <laughs> but uh, speaking of how to get a hold of us for these owns, there are several ways in which you can send us your owns of the season, which we are now asking for. Over on Twitter, if you want to tweet them at us using 140 characters or less, Twitter, at Game of Owns. Over on Facebook, you can scrawl upon our wall with your own of the season. I'm sure we'll be asking for them. And just comment onto that thread. It's facebook.com slash Game of Owns. And, of course, email, as we read at the top of our satchel bag section. Email is contact at gameofowns.com. There you have it. And one other way that you can get in touch with the show is on iTunes, and you can leave your feedback there. A five-star rate and review, nothing less than that, is acceptable. Just uh, trust us on that one. If you want your computer to survive the rating, you must give it five stars. It's a visit from Mountain Stein. <laughs> With the season being over now, it is a great way for other people to find out that our podcast exists. And the best way for them to do that is through the reviews that you leave there. Because when people go into iTunes and they search Game of Thrones, we want to make sure that we're the ones that are popping up first and foremost. And... Uh, we really do appreciate you going over there and uh, leaving your feedback, and we will read some of those reviews on a later show. I like that, Micah. No commitment. Playing it safe. We got so much <laughs> to come. So much is approaching. This is a huge episode that we've done every year of our show now, and uh, I'd like to think that, like a fine Dornish wine, we continue to increase with age. Mm. So this is going to be exciting. Well, for the time being, I'm just looking forward to discussing the entire season, to getting in those owns from all the listeners, to hearing both of your owns of the season. Yeah. And then we can figure out what the hell we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it. We will have an even more continued conversation of the finale and everything that was inside of the fifth season. Stick with us this off-season mm. slash on-season is going <laughs> Well, hey, I just thought of something. If they put Theon and Grey Worm together, you'd have a uh, complete man again. Would you? They're missing the same parts, though. Oh, right. yeah, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that, Cut that <laughs> I, I don't know if it was the only thing worth cheering for. We did mention earlier the Theon saving Sansa moment. Yeah. So that was worth Varys a few cheers in the appearing. bar from what I remember. Varys, yeah, there were a couple of moments. I was I was cheering for the Dothraki in the way they were just riding. Like that was pretty pretty cool. It's like mm-hmm. you know, you could just do the inner circle and have them circle her and the rest of you guys could just stand there, but they were committed to it. All of them were circling. The whole <laughs> field.